0: people, and welcome to the Glorious in the Mundane podcast. I'm your host, Christy Knuckles. I hope this episode finds you well as we are headed into the Thanksgiving holiday these next few weeks. In fact, this is releasing to iTunes Thanksgiving week. If you're a patron of the podcast on patreon.com, you've had it a little earlier as always, but some of you could very well be on your way home for Thanksgiving as you're listening. Or maybe you're chopping vegetables and Cooking a turkey right now, because it's your turn to host Thanksgiving this year. Regardless, as the holidays are well on their way, this is a whole other aspect of home, isn't it? As many of us are traveling to be with extended family, some of you are like, oh, there's no place like home. And then some of you are like, yep, there's no place like home, all right. <laughs> I pray grace upon grace upon grace as you go And as I go, we'll be headed to Oklahoma with just one dog this year. You'll be proud of me. You know, in years past, you know, I've missed the window where you book your dogs before everyone else gets to the kennel before you do. This year, I got brave in our big dog. I was so proud of myself. And the little George... He's going to be coming with us because, and I can't remember if I told you this or not, but he had a cluster of seizures a few weeks ago. This was actually his third bout with seizures that he's had in about three years' time, and he's only four. So he's been diagnosed with epilepsy, bless his little brain. So we're going to keep him close in case anything happens. So it will be a little less crazy, I guess, with one less dog, but we'll still be rolling up, like my sister-in-law said pretty much like the Clampets, one way or the other. It's just, you know, it is what it is. (laughs) I'm positive I've told you about our Thanksgiving saga several years ago. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. But it's always in the back of our minds every year as we go. I think it was Thanksgiving 2009 when the entire family got the stomach bug at my mom's house. We're pretty sure it was because the dads took all the kids bowling, and then when they got home— No one was really thinking. We kind of were all cooking and helping my mom. And to our knowledge, none of the kids washed their hands. So when they all got home, we had set out this whole huge spread of veggies and fruit, kind of this snack and craft all in one, which is really cute. It's a great idea. But we had the kids build a turkey. So you take a small watermelon, and you use it like the turkey's body. And then you use like a potato or a pear for his head. You can give them little eyes, and then the kids load up skewers with fruit and veggies and little cheeses and stuff, and then you stick it into the watermelon, the skewers, and it looks like his feathers all spread out. It's super cute, and it's a tradition that Amaryllis Kristen has always done on her side of the family, and it was adorable and fun for the kids, and they got a little snack, but the only thing that we could figure is that, like I said, maybe hands just didn't get washed (laughs) It's funny now. Oh, my gosh. It was not funny then. So everyone enjoyed the skewers full of cheese and veggies and fruit. And then by that night and the next morning, some of us started getting sick. And I mean, like, really sick. It sort of came in waves. Like, Nathan and I and our kids got it. And then my brother's whole family, they made it all the way back to Houston the next day. Like, they drove. And they were thinking they were in the clear until they were only about, like, a few miles from their house. And it hit. (laughs) Whatever strand of that bug it was, it actually lasted two weeks for me for some reason. I thought I was in the clear enough to head out on the Christmas tour with Chris Tomlin that I was scheduled to be on, but lo and behold, it continued. It kind of went away now that I'm thinking of it, but it came back full force like the first night that I was back on tour. And I'll never forget, we were at this church where they had like maybe their Christmas pageant set on the stage sort of behind Chris's set. And between songs or when I was supposed to sing, I would go back and lay like in fetal position on this big bed that was back there that was a part of the set. I'm guessing in my mind, it was like a Christmas carol I don't know, and this was like Scrooge's bed or something, <laughs> but I was in fetal position in this bed. I'll never forget Louis Giglio, who was on tour with us, who was the kind of the pastor for that tour. He came up to me backstage while I was curled up, and he was like, are you okay? And I just looked at him like, I don't know. I have no idea. I'll never forget, I went out and I sang the last song, and then I sprinted to the bus right after my last song. Made it to the bathroom, (laughs) almost didn't. But after that, I didn't want to get everyone sick. I didn't want to be sick on the bus because I was afraid I was going to get all the guys sick. So I remember I just went outside in the cool air. We were in Florida, I remember. And I just kind of stayed near the bus, but like just kind of was near the bushes as well. (laughs) There's nothing like being sick in some bushes, and then feeling a hand on your back and turning around, and it's Louie and his wife Shelly and Chris Tomlin and several band members, (laughs) all right there. They were all so worried about me. I actually ended up having to go to the hospital that night in Florida, and the tour, sadly, had to leave me there. I remember Shelly stayed with me all night. She about broke her back, sleeping in a very stiff chair right next to me in the ER. And then the next morning, they got me into her room and finally got something to help with the extreme pain that was just making me basically writhe all night. I don't know what I got. They never figured it out, but it was really bad. Nathan had to fly to get me two days later and fly me home to recoup for several nights before I had to go back out on the road because I was scheduled to do that. So the next Thanksgiving, that very next year, I basically had PTSD, like for real. I was traumatized about getting sick again and my kids getting sick. So we decided to fly that year. It was the best thing that we could do because of some things we had after Thanksgiving. And so I had begun prepping the kids like two or three days before we were going to go get on an airplane that we were not going to touch anything. We're not going to eat anything on the plane or drink anything. I had antibacterial wipes. I was pumping everyone full of vitamin C. And Annie at the time, she was about two and a half or so. She still sucked her fingers. I think I've told you that. She sucked her index finger and her middle finger together. And even when she wasn't sucking her fingers, she was kind of always just making that little peace sign with those two fingers. So they were just ready at any moment to you know, go in her mouth to soothe herself. So I had started in on her early about not sucking her fingers that whole day that we were going to fly and get to my mom's house. With our kids, we used to call throwing up, spitting out the yucky <laughs> that came from our oldest Noah when he was little he asked what happened to him you know when he he had gotten sick and he said Mommy, what happened to me when I spit out the yucky? So we thought that was so funny, and we kind of kept that. You know, it's a good little visual for kids. So I was telling Annie that she couldn't suck her fingers because she might get sick and have to spit out the yucky. You know, this was me sort of putting the fear in everyone (laughs) about how serious of a thing it is that we needed to wash our hands and not put our hands in our mouth. So we land, we get our rental car, and we're headed to my mom's house. And suddenly, I get a call from my dad on my cell phone. Well, he begins to tell me that my nephew, who is staying with them, is sick, like stomach sick. So I literally just can't believe it. Nathan and I are just looking at each other. It's dark outside. We're tired. We have nowhere to go. So my dad just suggests, you know, maybe we just get a hotel for the night so that we can just kind of wait it out, maybe see if it was just something he ate, or if it was, you know, a bug, heaven forbid. So we're just driving around. I'm fumbling around for my phone to try to find a hotel. And I hear Annie Rose say something really quiet from the back seat. And I turn around and I kind of strain to see her in the dark. And I said, What did you say, honey? And she held up those two fingers and she said, Can I suck these? <laughs> I pulled out a wipe. <laughs> Even though I had just wiped her down in the baggage claim, I'm pretty sure. But I wiped her hands and I said, Yes, baby, you can suck your fingers now. Bless her heart. (laughs) Well, I've learned since then that I can't control the stomach bug. And by the way, I apologize for for those of you who are maybe cooking at this moment that I've talked about the stomach bug. (laughs) But no matter how many antibacterial wipes I use, it just kind of is what it is. got to be ready for anything. And I've learned to look forward to Thanksgiving and to try to truly savor in my heart the things that I'm really thankful for. This year, I'm so thankful for the realization that God is always at work, even when I think He's not. I'm thankful for the power of prayer, which I've experienced a lot lately, firsthand. And even the other night, Nate and I were out of town, like, across the country, out of town. And a huge storm came through Franklin. In fact, there were several tornadoes that were cropping up as the night went on. We had been watching the radar, but there was a little point where we were driving from the place where we had a gathering with some friends to the place where we were sleeping. And in that time, I got a text from Lauren Tomlin. She and Chris only live about seven or eight minutes from us. And she said, are you home? And I said, no. No. And she texts back really fast and said, are the kids home? And I said, yes. And she said, make sure the nanny is taking cover. She said, the girls and I are in the you know, place where they take cover. And she sends me a picture of the radar right then. And I'm not exaggerating that the meteorologist is pointing to the rotation. And she's saying, this is a warning, not a watch. And you could see our street, like right there on the map only like maybe a few miles from where she was pointing. That's how close this thing was. So I called the nanny. She was already in the basement because she's smart. But I told her to get all the kids, which, crazy enough, we had four extra teenagers that night at our house. So she gets seven tweens and teens and two dogs in our basement bathroom. And I basically just tell her to stay there until she hears from me. Well, I hang up and start praying I'm just saying in the car, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then I said, we ask you to cause this tornado, Jesus, to dissipate. I use those exact words. Jesus, we ask this tornado would dissipate. And only minutes later, Lauren texts me and says, the meteorologist just said that the one near us just dissipated. (laughs) I raised both of my hands in the air and I was like, thank you, Jesus. I knew, I knew it was the power of prayer. I'm also so thankful this year for friends like Lauren, just friends who think of us and our kids during times like that, friends who care and think to reach out. It's just a precious thing. I'm thankful for all of you, too. I've gotten to meet so many of you, even just this past year and even in the past few months. I'm so thankful to God, too, for just what He's doing in your lives and that I've gotten to hear about some of that and to be a part of it and how I can just see the evidence of His power at work. It's such a beautiful thing, isn't it? I truly pray that it's a beautiful Thanksgiving for all of you. I was thinking the other day as I was kind of cracking myself up, thinking how the holidays are kind of like a can of concentrated orange juice. I remember when I was a kid, my mom would buy these every once in a while, and I remember opening it and thinking it looked so good, kind of like a popsicle. And I remember a few times dipping a spoon into it and just having a bite of it and then like wincing in pain in my sour glands. (laughs) Like they're kind of clenching up even now because it's a lot, isn't it? It's all the sweet and all the sour, all meshed up in one can. And it only evens out and tastes refreshing when we add lots of water to it. So I love this idea that as we go and we mash up with family, That we bring in us Jesus, the living water, whose supply never ends. So what a beautiful thing to remember. And Instead of us walking in with this big empty pitcher ready for everyone to fill us up, we get to walk in with a pitcher already full of Jesus. And we're able to take the sweet, along with the sour, if you will, and everything in between, and offer a filled up heart instead of just needing others to fill us up. We get to offer refreshment. It might just be a hug, a smile, maybe even willingness in the moment to not be offended, to ask Jesus to help us be unoffendable in these days as we rest in our belovedness. Maybe we're able to not get in the weeds per se, (laughs) not avoiding conflict with family, but maybe realizing that the holidays can maybe be more a time for us to offer something rather than just focusing on what we're there to receive. So grace upon grace upon grace. This is what I pray for all of us as we head in. And I think about the beauty of God building a home in us. We get to take that home with us everywhere we go. I was reading in John 14 today where Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 21, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Then it says, Judas, not Iscariot, says, Jesus, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Isn't that beautiful? Suddenly there's a we in the picture. He said, We will come to him and make our home with him. What a beautiful picture of the home within us Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In verse 25, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The home we bring with us was meant to carry with it peace, not as the world gives, but as Jesus gives. It was meant to carry around a heart that is not troubled or full of fear, but a heart that has been occupied by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, our Helper. You might remember the envelope illustration that I told you about that my mom taught me when I was little. A friend of my parents, Annabelle Gillum, she taught it to my mom. And I know I've shared this before, but I keep thinking of it right now as I'm talking about the home we carry in us. If you picture with me an envelope, and on the front of it, it says, God the Father— You open that envelope, and in it is another envelope. And on the front of that envelope, it says, Jesus. When you open that envelope, there's another envelope, and on that envelope is your name. And as you open that envelope, you see in it a card, and on that card, it says, Jesus. This is to illustrate that you are in Jesus, and He is in you. And because of that, you are also in the Father. That's a whole lot of covering and security, isn't it? I was just sitting here thinking just now, where's the Holy Spirit in all of this? Well, I think He's in and through all of it. But just now I pictured Him as the mailman, delivering this very envelope to your heart and your mind daily. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would teach us all things— And bring to our remembrance all that Jesus has said. So, special delivery by the Holy Spirit today. (laughs) It's the remembrance of the home God has made in you. And it's what you have to offer. Whether you are inviting others into your actual home, or you're headed to the home of family and friends. As I was imagining those envelopes just now, I was imagining a wedding invitation. You know when you know it's just nice paper You know what I'm talking about? You know the way it looks. You know the way it feels. The embossed lettering There's usually some sort of fancy liner lining the envelopes. Sometimes they might even smell good. Don't you just love a good invitation? In a world of Evites and email blasts, I miss a good handwritten letter or invitation in the mailbox. I don't know about you. My friend Lauren, who I was just telling you about, she's so good about an actual letter in the mail. I get thank you cards from Lauren in my mailbox, and it always just makes me smile. Last episode, we talked about praying that prayer that I've shared with you from the Ransomed Heart app that says, search me, know me, reveal to me where you are working in my life, and grant to me the grace of your healing and deliverance, and a deep and true repentance. This is actually an invitation on our part. Many times this happens in response to Him sending an invitation to us. Sometimes His invitations to us, though, are revealed to us, like during our prayer time, maybe when we're reading His Word, but sometimes His invitations to us may become packaged in a pretty rough hardship, maybe maybe a big disappointment, actually, a letdown. It could be through a mountaintop experience as well. But what God allows to happen in our story is always an invitation for us to draw nearer to his heart and to expand our little cottage walls into the castle that he's constructing and building. I recall an invitation that I exchanged with Jesus several years ago after he was clearly inviting me to come near him. As you well know by now about me, home is my place of peace. I always wanted to mirror the deeper home that I have in God. Through the years, Nathan, I've lived in tiny apartments and even a pool house for a while that belonged to a friend of a friend. Regardless, I've always been compelled to bring order and beauty to our home from the inside out, to somehow outwardly express all that we are inwardly believing and living for. Our first home in Franklin, Tennessee, not the home that we're living in now, but the one that we lived in before we moved to Atlanta for seven years, it was literally called the haunted house of the neighborhood by the surrounding neighbors. I'll never forget the look on Nathan's face when we first walked in. Mine was a look of pure joy. His was pretty much horror. (laughs) I was just, of course, able to see past it all and have a vision, and and I learned. That's what it is for me. It's the transformation. That's what draws me in. All in all, the house had good bones, and we ended up purchasing it for such a low asking price that our mortgage payment was now less than our rent had been, which was one of the reasons why that Nathan Knuckles agreed to take it on. It did take vision and patience and lots of it. We just had no idea that initially most of that patience would be spent ridding the house of brown recluse spiders. Maybe it was the fact that the house had sat vacant for about a year before we moved in in that spring of, I think it was 2001, but they had taken over the place, and here we came pretty much messing up their nest. I'm sure I've told you about the spiders before, but I'll never forget one morning We rolled in from a week on the tour bus, and we were super weary and worn out. We bedded our son Noah down for a nap. He was probably about 15 months old then. And we headed to our bed to take a nap along with him. We pulled back the covers, and that's when the horror began. Not one, but two fiddleback spiders were there just underneath our covers after killing them completely groggy and cranky, we headed to the guest room and we pulled back the covers and you guessed it, there was another one under those sheets. We ended up nicknaming those spiders Freddy's, (laughs) as in Freddy Krueger from Nightmare on Elm Street, because it was like a horror movie there for about a year. Honestly, if it hadn't been for friends praying for us and encouraging us and calling us, I think we would have literally thrown in the towel and given up. If you remember, I just told you about my friend Maria that had the dream about Nathan and I, about the house that went on and on and on. I remember texting her around that time and telling her what was going on, and she was like, Christy, this means war. She was like, think about it, Christy, you're creating a home. The enemy is trying to run you out of there. She's like these spiders are warfare. Honestly, I have to say that I think she was right. We have had friends here in town that have had to move out of their homes, like they actually did have to throw in the towel. In fact, two very well-known worship leaders that you would know, they have had to move out because of brown recluse spiders. They are just really bad in this area. And you have to understand that when I say they're bad, like we were catching 15 to 20 In a matter of days. Is that right, Nathan? I'm looking at him right now. Yeah, maybe less. Underneath our bed. Underneath our bed, we would put those glue strips. And we were catching like 20 in a matter of days. I remember the pest control guy saying, not only have I never seen this many in one house, he said, I've never seen them this big. (laughs) The enemy also knew we were good and tired already from life on the road. And he knew we didn't want to fight poisonous mammoth spiders. I mean, I knew I was bigger than them, but it was a little unnerving that they liked to hide in the bottom of things like shoes and laundry baskets and snuggly covers in your bed. I remember putting on like Noah's little onesie at night when I was getting him ready for bed and I would have to like check all the way down into the feet of his little onesie pajamas because I was just so afraid there was going to be one in there. Talk about feeling so vulnerable with a little toddler crawling around. I remember we had to wrap the bottom of the legs of Noah's crib with these sticky traps, with the sticky side out, to try to catch anything that might try to crawl up in his crib. Anyway, girded in prayer and pesticides, we decided to take those suckers on. We prodded and probed and pushed them out little by little, Soon we were down to just seeing a few here and there. And towards the end of the war, we had escaped with no bites until Nathan forgot and left his suitcase on the floor for a few days between trips. I can't remember if I told you guys this, but he ended up packing up that same bag a couple of days later. He just put some more things in it. And he flew over to London to help our friend Matt Redman with his album, and Nathan was sitting there with Matt in his home the next morning That you know, after he had arrived, and, and his leg begins to itch and kind of sting and sort of throb for no apparent reason. And so he goes to the bathroom, and he takes a look, and there down his leg are three distinct black marks of a brown recluse bite. We figured out that he had flown a brown recluse spider, all the way from Nashville to London. And when he put on his pants that morning, there must have been one hiding in his pants. And so he just you know, kind of bit him all the way up while he was putting his pants on. And the doctor at the little emergency clinic in England was so puzzled. In fact, she kind of just had to get online because she's like, we don't have poisonous spiders in England. I've never heard of this. I don't know what happens. So we often laugh and imagine that our Tennessee brown recluse spider may have scurried off and mated with a common house spider in England, and now there's some sort of crazy poisonous spider now that lives in England. It's funny, I just saw Carrie Job a few weeks ago, and we were talking about the brown recluse epidemic in Nashville. And I was telling her that story and we were sitting there and somehow her shirt that she was wearing just sort of kind of ruffled or moved. And it scared her because we were talking about the spiders and she jumped and then I jumped. (laughs) She's six months pregnant right now. She wakes up her baby inside her tummy and the baby starts kicking. And we were just laughing at how brown recluses definitely scare you for life if you've ever dealt with them. Anyway, seven years dozens of gallons of paint, countless thrift store and antique store runs. Later, we turned that war zone into a true refuge for our family and our friends. We figured out where their nest was, those spiders, which you guessed it. It was our master bedroom, the hub of our home. They were behind the walls and all up in the attic. We had to dust behind all the walls and up in the attic, and they don't respond to pesticide. That's a side note. There's actually a rumor that they can hold their breath, which I've had conflicting reports about that. But regardless of how they do it, they stay alive even after you spray. So you have to get where their nests are, and you have to dust this thick, heavy stuff, which at this point, I won't tell you how it actually makes them die, because none of us need to have that in our minds right now. But it's the one thing that started to work. We eventually went from finding hundreds, like I said, in the summer to only seriously maybe about five or so in a summer. And like I said, mostly in hampers or in the back of cabinets, but thankfully we began to have a little bit of freedom and we felt like we had taken back our home. I would have thought that maybe the spiders were just an isolated event, but I actually remember that time in our lives being pretty saturated with things that felt like they were just coming against us, trying to establish a home. It may seem like we're wrestling against the physical world most of the time, but as we all know, the Word of God assures us that we're actually wrestling with the spirit realm that we can't see. Ephesians 6 10 through 18, it says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers For all the saints. So, with all of this in mind, I mean, I I try not to over spiritualize everything, but at the same time, I just want to be aware of what's really going on. In that same home that I was telling you about, I remember it was during the same season of the spiders, and they were in full rain. Nathan had been doing a lot of international travel. In fact, I do believe that this was in those same few weeks that he took that. Spider over to England. And it just has been a crazy time. I remember with little ones how much I just wanted to have a sense of calm and home. But when you travel for a living, your time at home becomes a bit like that concentrated can of orange juice I was talking about earlier. It's all the things and sometimes too short of an amount of time. And you just need to add the right amount of water so that it's actually refreshing. A little side note right now, I messaged my patrons a few weeks ago asking for specific prayer because we were headed out to retreat for worship leaders in California. That's hosted by Brian and Jen Johnson, and that's where we were when we got the text from Lauren about the tornadoes. But a few years ago, the Lord put it on Brian and Jen's heart to make their home and the homes of their friends available to worship leaders worldwide for a time of refreshment for three days every other year. That's what they decided to do. And we had not been, we had not been able to attend yet. We had had something going on the years before, but we really wanted to make a point to be there this year and get some time away together, but also to just get to be around people who do what we do, who kind of have the same lifestyle. Um, Worship leaders and songwriters who travel around, who understand what it's like for a lot of the year when you're away from home and on the road, And then when you get home, you try to somehow recoup and regather and have some sort of sense of normalcy. So it's just super sweet to be all in the same room and honestly, just genuinely feel a sense of unity and love for each other. It really was so precious. We got to see friends that we hadn't seen in a lot of years. We even had friends fly in from the UK and Australia and Canada. It was like a big family reunion. But anyway, back to my story. One morning, Nathan and I were just trying to finish up some worship songs that we needed to finish in order to make our recording schedule on time. Nathan had been busy working with other artists and worship leaders, and like I said, traveling back and forth, and it was actually the UK at that time. So I was home in between, holding down the fort with the kids. I remember we were around the piano in the family room one morning, and we were singing away, practicing, kind of getting the songs together, when out of nowhere— it sounded like a car crashed through our front living room. Like it was one of the loudest noises I have ever heard. <laughs> the kids were both upstairs taking their morning nap, and they started crying. And we were running around the house. We're looking in the front living room, and the dining room, and we can't see anything obvious until we start smelling smoke. So we run back in the front living room where Nathan had his studio set up at the time and realized that a speaker... Had blown and it was basically on fire. It was like smoking. We were both pretty weirded out because, to our knowledge, that's actually not a common thing for that to happen. And if we had not been there, the house would have most likely burned down. So we were a whole other level of alert the rest of the day as we were trying to recover from a shocking morning. And I remember Nathan left again that next day. And I was kind of there to hold down the fort again. And I remember that night after I got the kids to bed, I started feeling anxious, almost to the point where I felt like I couldn't breathe. And it was one of those nights where I was hearing things in the house that I'd never heard before. It also didn't help that the lady who helped us with our house cleaning at the time, Miss Thelma, she'd tell me all the time she didn't ever want to stay past dark at the house by herself because... She says, When you're gone and you're not here, I hear footsteps in the house. And I would always tell her, Oh, Thelma, that's our angels. They're just a little bit loud. Well, I was sitting there that night and I was starting to wonder myself if I was hearing something other than angels. I was delirious from not sleeping very good in those months, both because we had little ones and because we were also wrapping their cribs with spider traps at night. I was weary. Weary in a place that should be comforting and should be a refuge. And no, it didn't feel like God had sent me a beautiful handwritten invitation and put it in my mailbox, but for whatever reason, He made it known to me that this was an invitation that night. I didn't have to just sit back and get whiplash from a crazy season. I was sensing that God was inviting me into something deeper deeper. He was going after my heart. Yes, again, even through the trials and the hardship and the weariness, he was saying, there's actually more to this, you know. Kind of like that envelope opens to another envelope that I was telling you about earlier. This is what his invitation felt like. He was inviting me to invite him in. I'll never forget a sense of fearlessness came over me as I began to call on His name and invite Him, to invite His presence once again into our home, to fill up the space where there was fear and weariness and that He'd come and make Himself known in a very real way to me. I began to sense this beautiful authority that I had been given over my home to call forth his presence there, his angels, and his activity. So I sat down at the piano, and I just began to worship him. I remember just tears streaming down my face as I began to just visualize Jesus, the risen Lord, coming and literally walking the halls of my home. I started to sing, come, come in, come invade all you see of us. Any man who'd walk your road is welcomed here, and you're the only one. I remember just visualizing the road he walked to Calvary, taking upon himself the weight of the world, our sin and shame. He went to the cross and he died for us. Then he was buried, wrapped in grave clothes, and sealed in a tomb. Thankfully, this was not the end of the road for our Savior. Three days later, he rose from the dead, our risen Lord, alive. Acts 1 3 through 11 says, After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So this is the road of the risen Lord. His ascension actually is a powerful part of the journey because this is how we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Going back to John 14 that I mentioned earlier, Jesus said in verse 12, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. This verse always blows me away. Greater things will we do? This puts a lot of emphasis on the Holy Spirit and understanding that He is the life of God in us. He's the Spirit of truth, the one who seals us in Christ. And then to think that that last part of his road will be that he's coming back. The last part of the journey, he will come back the same way he was seen going up. I love that. As I sat there with the risen Lord in my mind's eye, I remember as I invited his spirit to come into my home that night, there was a lot of power packed in that phrase that sang, any man who'd walk your road is welcome here. And you're the only one. That was this mama's way of saying that night as I was holding down the spider fort with two babies and a husband overseas. It was my way of saying, no other spirit is welcome here. Only you, Spirit of God. I began to write the words down as I sang, Jesus, come and walk the halls of this house. Come tread this place and turn it inside out with your mercy. And Jesus, teach us the prayers that open these doors till your light floods in and illuminates these floors. And let your truth be on our steps. And in these rooms, Jesus invade. Invade. That was the word that kept coming to me. Jesus invade this house. Yes, we felt invaded by spiders and invaded by a schedule that had us Sort of in a chaotic state sometimes, but the invitation was for me to invite Jesus to basically have his way in our home. The word invade means to enter for conquest or plunder, it means to spread over or into progressively, to make inroads upon a property. So I was just like, Jesus, yes to all of the above. (laughs) I know that inroads is kind of severe but it means to advance into enemy territory. So this was me saying, Jesus, come risen Lord in your power and destroy all that the enemy has raised against me and my family. I sang on, but this time with even more authority. And this time I opened the door to others who might want to sing this song to Jesus too. I began to realize that this song maybe was not just for me, and my own personal praise that night, but this was maybe a prayer that could linger and be sung by other people when they were feeling the same way I was that night. So I began to sing on their behalf too. I sang, Jesus, reach, reach in with the hand that heals all our suffering. Conquer all that is not of you. Bring your spirit through as we fill these walls with your praise. Jesus, Jesus, Come and walk the halls of this house. Come tread this place and turn it inside out with your mercy. And Jesus, teach us the prayers that open these doors till your light floods in and illuminates these floors. And let your truth be on our steps. And in these rooms, Jesus invade. As I began to really believe and sense that he was there with me, I just fearlessly started crying out. I call for angels. I call for mercy. I call for freedom in the name of Jesus. This prayer has definitely lingered through the years. In fact, before the season ends, I'll tell you about our house in Georgia a little bit. When we gutted our kitchen there, I wrote the lyrics to that song, which is really a prayer, on the drywall of the kitchen before they laid the shiplap over the walls. I wanted to be intentional to carry that prayer into the next home and the next. So whether it's the home that's in your heart or your actual home, there's an invitation for all of us to invite Jesus in, that he might make inroads to invade enemy territory, but also with mercy that he would have as his own the territory of our hearts. Think about it. For Him to be at home in us, we must allow Him to conquer all, to shine His light into every nook and cranny and crevice of our home and of our hearts. As you may have guessed, we're going to end today's episode with this song, Invade. I pray that it's such a sweet reminder that no matter what you're walking through today, even if you're just like, really? Really, God? (laughs) I understand. I get it. And it's usually those very things that come with a little invitation, an envelope that opens to an envelope. I hope you find yourself fearlessly singing along. Happy Thanksgiving to you. I love you guys. And I will talk to you soon. Come, come.
1: You see us Any man Who'd walk your road Is welcomed here And you're the only one. one Oh Jesus Come and walk the halls of this house Yeah, tread this place And turn it inside out With your mercy See, And Jesus, tell you just the prayers that open these doors. Until your light floods in and illuminates these floors. And let your truth be on our steps and in these rooms. Jesus in bed. Sim.